The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Police Box in a Junkyard podcast on the Direction Point Podcast Network. I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Police Box in a Junkyard. Allons-y. I'm sorry. It's French. So let's go. This is the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. On this podcast, we travel all of time and space discussing Doctor Who in a completely random order. It's a brilliant idea. It's so simple, only you could have thought of it. Oh. I'm the Doctor. These are my new best friends. It's the entire universe on Shuffle with your hosts. Eric Goldbranson. Asad Keshke. And Matthew Kressel. I'm the Doctor, and if there's one thing I can do, it's talk. There's something you better understand about me, because it's important. And one day, your life may depend on it. I am definitely a madman with a box. And well, now we're getting somewhere. More like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Police Box and the Junkyard Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Branson, and with me in the TARDIS, as he is every time, Mr. Asad Keski. How are you doing today, Asad? Pretty good. Hello, everybody out there. We are uh, short one Matthew Kressel again this week, so or this month, I should say. Um, Matthew sends his regards, and uh, we hope he will be returning uh, to the show as soon as he possibly can. Indeedy. But, and, uh, <coughs> Yeah, so um, how's everything going with you? Uh, all is well. Things are pretty quiet as far as I think on the Doctor Who front. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't actually think that since our last recording, I'm not sure I've really done anything Doctor Who related. I saw the, still doing my first time full run through, so finally finished Talons of uh, Wang Chiang. So okay. uh, I should yeah. probably write something about it. I guess I did have to conclude that while I've got a lot of caveats about it, I'll say yes. If you look at it now, it is racist. But I've, 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 you know. it it is, and it, it it for a while it was hard. I, I found it hard to say that for some reason. And lately, I think I think a lot of the you know um, developments in the world, and hopefully my maturing as a person, and and those sorts of things are. I'm totally fine with saying that, and I don't think that means that I have to hate it. Right. It's just yeah. You know, it's just. 
it's an unfortunate decision. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> think when I see it, I, I also I feel I feel I feel annoyed that there are a lot of things they could have done which would have certainly ameliorated whatever sort of elements of racism there are. And I've said this before in panels as well that, for instance, you know, I love Jago and Lightfoot. The act, the characters are great. The actors are great. But mm -hmm. maybe they could have put a Chinese character instead of one of them, and that might have, you know, because right. you don't actually have any good uh, Chinese characters. I'm not right. so perturbed yep. by, I guess, uh, John Bennett uh, playing Li San, because I guess in those days they just didn't have access to actors of uh, Chinese origin uh, yeah, who could take such a lead role. So it's a little painful to watch. That's often the story you but... hear. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. If, if watching it for, with a modern gaze, it definitely does not play well. Yeah. But I still think it's got a lot of positives. It's oh, it's a sure. fun story. It's 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 you know it's well written. It's got some interesting characters. It just yeah. Unfortunately, we're never going to be able to wholly separate it from the fact that you know that was not only is it unfortunate because they're you know doing whatever the equivalent uh, for an Asian character of blackface is. Yeah. You know? Yellow face. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're, uh, they're also, like you said, I think there's the depictions of the Chinese characters are also pretty poor. It's not just the yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are. choice choice yeah. for actors. Yeah, they but. could definitely, because they're even like uh, they could have had, uh, like Lightfoot, who could have made more comments about, you know, that these are, you know, just more about the nature of China since he's supposed to have spent his youth there. Um, he could have made more positive comments about China or Chinese in general. So mm -hmm. it's a lot. I don't think it's one of those ones. It's not deliberately racist, but uh, you look at it no. now, it's like, so yeah. I, <laughs> I think we also have the fortunate um, thing as being fans of Doctor Who of, of holding it up against a show that is other than a few glaring examples like that, been fairly progressive, even for the eras in which they were created. Sure. So I think this one sticks out a bit like a sore thumb. Yeah. It just, yeah. yeah, it just, not that there's no other issues throughout the history of Doctor Who. There are, there are plenty, oh, yes. but it just, yeah. <laughs> Compared to other things on, on television and um, at the time, I'm, I still think the show's generally had a pretty progressive tilt. Yeah, to no, it, absolutely. But, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. But yeah, so yeah. Like I said, it's a very enjoyable watch. Just to sometimes have to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, wish they'd gone a slightly different route there. <laughs> right. Uh. It's almost. It's almost like, and I know they never will because it's a, it's considered to be a classic. But it's almost a good enough story that you would like to see it get another treatment somehow. Like you know, I mm. I know we're never gonna remake something like that. Probably right. that would just right. be blasphemous to most fans. But yeah. but I don't know. Anyway is what it is yeah, for sure so um yeah i was trying to think if i've done anything doctor who related since last time we spoke and i'm not sure that i have i haven't even seen much doctor who related i think last time we talked about some of the early promotional materials that had come out and some of the comic con stuff uh or prior to comic con um and i don't think i've heard much of anything else no no <laughs> since like news has been a little quiet I have not been following along, and I intended to, with the uh, Doomsday um, series that's a run-up, supposedly, to the um, yeah. 60th anniversary specials. 
Um, I do need to dive back in prior to our next meeting and finish up the Liberation of the Daleks right. series because we're going to finish up talking about that one eventually. Um, might be another month or two before that's all the way finished, I think. But um, yeah. And, yeah, I don't but really yeah, know where I've, Doomsday is. I mean, I've read the two comics, but... Um... I, think I that... read the intro story. Okay. Uh, there's a prose story uh, that, that um, James Goss wrote that kind of kicks the whole thing off. And then I've read two of the four um, Doctor Who magazine comic strips that were the next four hours. Because the whole thing is set up. There's going to be 24 yeah. different episodes. It's 24 hours of her last day alive. And she has to find the Doctor. And there's this mystery. And it's pretty nicely set up in the first one, but... Then it starts going into a lot of the same things that scared me away from Time Lord Victorious, and that's like crossing into all of these things, and it's just like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to follow this. And, right. Um, so I've been slow in following it. I may eventually try to catch up. Most of the pieces of this are, are fairly short, but then there's two novels, like mm. full-length novels in there too. Um, so I don't know if those account for only an hour don't know <laughs> of the yeah or how it works so maybe there's not 24 episodes but it's going to somehow over the the course of it cover 24 hours of her day so okay. yeah um, i'm behind on my doctor who magazine so i haven't read whatever comic strips that were yeah. that tied in with that and i think i saw on some and yeah so they were podcast other that they were discussing a few episodes of Doomsday, so I don't know if there are any been any audio releases for it or. They're all queued up and ready to come out later this fall, uh, but I don't okay. think any have been released okay. yet. Well, maybe they um, I think there's two of them coming, uh, big finish ones. The first novel I think just came out mm. in in England. Of course, we don't have it here. We have to wait like three months to <laughs> to get it here. Um, you could order it from a bookseller there right. if you want to pay the shipping, and but. Um, yeah, and then yeah, as far as I know, it's been like the, the and then Doctor Who magazine ran a special, um, like a special additional comic book thing that came with one of their issues that had four short comic strips. I think they're the same length as their regular comic strip, you know, th- two three pages. Right. Um, that accounted for like the next. So it's the James Goss story. Then it's those four in sequence: one, two, three, four from Doctor Who magazine, and then I don't know, it goes off some elsewhere, and I haven't followed yet. I think it might start the Titan Comics series after that, which is going to be a limited four or five issue series. Okay. Yeah, I mean the first two are. Yeah, the first two issues are out. However many mm-hmm. there are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a novel, and there's going to be another novel somewhere down the line. The thing that gets me is it looks like a lot of energy went into it, and it's va- it's it's it it's kind of interesting. I liked the story. It, it kind of <laughs> I had a pretty lackluster reaction to reading about it, and and once I read the story, I went, okay, this is kind of interesting. I'm interested, but then like it's the it's the whole kind of like spread out release thing. I, I think it's a cool idea. Just when in execution, right? I'm not sure what I'm not sure what kind of energy they have behind it, and hopefully if you're living in the uk you see a little more about this because it's pretty much right. silent here yeah, it was like yeah. a social media post and that's really been it yeah. <laughs> like i haven't seen anything anybody promoting this so um i felt like the wheels fell off a of time lord victorious that way too like they started off like it was this major event and by the time it was all said and done they they weren't even really promoting those uh books and such 
Yeah, it's uh, here. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to think of these multi. I mean, these things will really only appeal to the hardest core of hardest core fans to track uh, everything down. Us completionists. It drives me crazy when I can't. Even <laughs> I was like, you know, I mean, they had yeah. with Time Lord Victorious. They even had. I don't know how important it was to collect the tie-in uh, Eagle Moss models. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, each of the little models came with a little comic strip so, okay. that was part of the story. So, yeah. Luckily, I mean, the internet exists, so right. do some creative Googling and you can track that down. But still, it's like... Um, yeah. It, that And that one went all over. That went into, like, the, the, the models and it went into... There was a live uh, theater show yeah. performance. There was an escape room attraction. There was... <laughs> And it's like all tied in. The good thing about Time Lord Victoria is once I actually started kind of going through it is not every piece of that is necessary. If you get the gist of the story, you can pretty much jump in almost anywhere. There's like two or three major tent poles that I would think you'd probably need to hear. And that's like where it kind of where it begins. And then the novels. I think the okay. novels are really where you had to... Um, yeah, kind of had to put your energy because even the big finish stuff that was Time Lord Victorious is pretty stands on its own pretty well. You can listen to those well, by themselves, and they're okay. Maybe so. I'll have to pull out that uh, checklist sheet again and uh, <laughs> in hindsight, it might I be a little easier <laughs> um, now that it's you know the time time has gone by. And you're not trying to deal with this whole release date issue where you're like, hey, I want to get this Time Lord Victorious stuff. Everyone in in the UK is already reading it, and it's like months until we're gonna get it. You know, you can buy it on from from a US retailer. Like if you're buying through right. Amazon, etc. Our comic book stores here um, don't have it yet, so right. it's uh, makes it hard to keep up with. <laughs> or you pay, you know, right twelve yeah, yeah. thirteen dollars shipping per unit yes. that you need to. <laughs> yeah, and for a, a you know a paperback book and a couple of comics, that's pretty steep. So. Right. Surprised that the supply pipeline to comic book stores from for British stuff is so difficult and erratic, because yeah, yeah. like uh, uh, like the judge like Judge Dredd stuff is uh, you know, it takes a long time and for it to come here. And every time I've gotten it through my comic book store, unless it's really just come out and is easily available they just have trouble like tracking it and telling me when it's mm -hmm. arriving <laughs> so yeah yeah i used to have that with my comic book store in uh doctor who magazine yeah. before i switched to the digital version so yeah yeah but doctor who magazine it was the same thing it you know, every they'd get it every three or four months like three or four issues so it would be like yep. yeah yeah i'd have to go pick up a stack of them yeah. and spend you know 50 <laughs> bucks <It's> like <laughs> so <sighs> But which is which is fun when you're like, ooh, a whole stack of them, and then you think like, yeah, are you actually gonna sit down and read them all in a row? Probably not. Right. But. Yeah. So. Oh well, it's all good. <laughs> Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With a popular feature like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, there's a lot of fun to be had. We're available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Police Box in a Junkyard podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. 
Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Police Box in a Junkyard. Yeah, other than that, I guess we should uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the show that we watched for this um, this month. And that uh, show is the Series 4 opening two-parter of the Sarah Jane Adventures, titled The Nightmare Man. Um, this is written by Joseph Lidster, directed by Josh Agnew, and of course produced by Brian Minchin and Russell T. Davies. Um the yeah I, I guess before we jump into the nightmare man specifically i was going to ask you um how familiar are you with the sarah jane adventures series like in general have you have you seen much of it or not too much at all i mean i knew of it and uh, the only one i saw though was uh death of the doctor okay um, yeah that's that's the Matt Smith one yeah. with Joe Grant and yeah. yeah. Yep. So that was the only That's that's later this season. This follows just a few episodes yeah. after after yeah. I never Man. saw I, I guess David Tennant was in the wedding of Sarah Jane Smith. So mm-hmm. I read about that but I haven't watched it and of course uh, Nicholas Courtney is an uh, enemy of the Bane and I haven't seen that yep. either. But they're all there yeah. on uh, HBO Max so uh, for the moment. So <laughs> Yes. And I, I don't know if all that stuff's migrating over. I'm imagining it will to Disney Plus when they take over. Um, or if it's just going to be the new stuff and that's going to stay on Max, which will be kind of annoying. But um, the, uh, yeah. I, I had seen most of this series um, just kind of as a casual, like I was kind of slowly watching my way through it. I don't think I ever made it all the way to the end. There is a, a small portion of series five which unfortunately it was interrupted because of uh, Elizabeth Sladen's health, and unfortunately it ended up uh, ending in, in her death, and uh, they never, never were able to finish the season. Okay. So they just kind of did the little over um, over COVID. It was one of the, the things they didn't print. They did a little ending right, to the Sarah yeah. Jane Adventures. Uh, farewell well, to Sarah just Jane. Just a farewell to Sarah Jane in general, but they ended the events of this series oh, okay. as well. So. Um, it so i've never seen that i don't know why i chose not to watch like the five episodes there are or whatever of series five but i never finished (laughs) so i have seen most of it uh before but it's been a while since i've sat down and watched in general i really enjoy it it's a little you know you got to take it for what it is it's definitely more of a kid's show in the vein of something like um i don't know what it it Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of the Dark, that kind of, like, kid's show with a little bit of a spooky edge to it. Right. <laughs> um, it, to me, though, out of all the spin-offs, which we're really only talking about the main three, Torchwood, this, and, and, and Class would have been the, the television spin-offs. Um, this one seemed to have a little more of the kind of spirit of Doctor Who in it. Like, it felt, it felt like it although earthbound like it may it generally takes place in the same universe it has a lot of the same like 
ethos to right. it. Um, a lot of that helps with, uh, you know, the, it's sharing writers and producers for the most part. But Torchwood did too, and that was I, intentionally so, I believe. But that was definitely a bit more of a departure from from Doctor yeah, Who. This, and how? Yeah, <laughs> and this felt like more like it belonged, even though it certainly was more childish, made for its its target audience, right. but. Um, yeah, so there are many episodes that I really enjoyed of this show. I think it uh, it took you know Sarah Jane and um, that character and kind of made her reinvented her into this kind of den mother of young detectives chasing after and defeating alien menaces, and it was kind of a clever show. Uh, that being said, I'm not sure this was my favorite story <laughs> of of the series, but. I'll dive a little more into that in a minute. Um, let's get a quick synopsis of the Nightmare Man. Um, Luke faces life-changing events, and Bannerman Road will never be the same again. But when Sarah Jane's son has his first nightmare, he's haunted by a dark figure from his dreams, the Nightmare Man. A strange entity is reaching out to our world through Luke, with terrible consequences for the whole human race. With Luke, Clyde, and Ronnie trapped in a bizarre dreamscape, Sarah Jane must fight alone. As the Nightmare Man grows stronger, only K-9 might hold the key, but can Luke summon the courage to face his adult life before the whole world is trapped in an endless nightmare? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, do you have any, uh, yeah, first impressions? Anything that... It's... It's fine, I guess. I find, I find it, like you said, like the target audience is a little different so i find it a little difficult to judge from that uh, perspective i guess the storytelling is a little simplified i mean what's interesting is that maybe it and maybe the, because this was made by this i think it was made by the cbbc um mm. whereas classic doctor who even like back in the original early days was made more by the drama department so yeah, this actually seems a little more juvenile than even like than William Hartnell, who, even though at yeah. that time I guess it was always more focus was more towards hey this is going to be a children's show, but yeah, uh, but Sarah Jane Adventure. This at least uh, looking at this episode as an example, it comes out as more juvenile than William Hartnell's uh, stories. You know, I mean it yeah, has I... obviously modern production values and looking at the clips and all it looks like they had some great uh, makeup and robot suits and all sorts of uh, good stuff but uh, yeah the storytelling seems a little more immature <laughs> it is in a way and, and, and that part of that is going to be one of my uh, bones I have to pick with this episode specifically I, I don't think it's always quite so sim quite so simple compared to like let's say an episode of, or a Doctor Who story especially like a two-parter this is certainly a more simple approach um, I think the main thing that for me is that it kind of falls into this trap that even a lot of two-parters did during um, even, on Doctor Who during the Russell T. Davies era um, and, and let's not kid ourselves I guess forever um, is that it has a pretty strong start and they aren't are not able to stick the landing. Pretty much the whole second episode is a ba major letdown. I feel like the first one's not a bad piece. Like it gets you, gets you into there. It's actually got some moments that are generally kind, genuinely kind of spooky. Your first few glimpses of the Nightmare Man are are, are 
kind of scary. Like it's it's it, it's effective. Everything's kind of working for it. And I feel like in part two that all gets pulled right out from under you. Like the uh, I don't particularly enjoy, and I don't like ever like to put the the blame solely on you know one one person here. But I don't really care for the actor who, uh, Julian Bleach who plays the Nightmare Man in here. I don't really care for his take on on this character. I feel like this could have been done in, in, in a certain way, and it could have been a, lot, a little more effective. Yeah, this um, is one of those. I'm sure that was manic, not his. The manic villains. Yeah, it's like the manic yeah, he, master. <laughs> almost trying to be a bit of a a, a Joker esque yeah, character, so. almost, and and it just doesn't quite yeah. uh, work for me. Um. The things that did work for me about the first part, um, although I feel like it, it certainly has a lot, to, it owes a lot to uh, you know the 1984 horror film Nightmare on Elm Street because it almost borrows plot elements from that pretty heavily, um, and obviously brings it down to the level of right. uh, a CBBC <laughs> production. But uh, I actually think they do a, a, a Nightmare on Elm Street for kids fairly effectively. Um, the writing's not bad. There's some genuine, if you've been following along with these characters especially, but there's some genuinely nice moments between the two. I really, like, one of my favorite things about it that is I really enjoy the um, idea that the nightmares aren't just, like, you know, kind of like, boo, scary, gotcha things, but they're actually about, like, um, about people kind of coping with their... Um, you know, insecurities. Everything's like about their major insecurities. Even when they get into the other characters, getting trapped in the nightmare world, right. it's the you know, these these major things that, especially being teenagers and getting to this you know major point of change in their life, becoming adults, and it's kind of um, what they're centering it around. Because Luke is told at the beginning of this that he could take his A levels and be off to college a year early, and he gets into Oxford, and so he's having you know gotten to this point in his life where there's going to be a major change. No, we do have to remember that Luke is like an alien clone or a designed alien <laughs> human. Um, not actually a he is actually human, but he's you know wasn't actually born kind of thing, and he's really only been living with Sarah Jane for like three or four years at this point. So once you think about all of that, you're kind of like, well, it's not really that you know that big of a change because <laughs> but uh, you know moving on to the next thing as it would be for someone who grew up the, their whole life there but okay but but I get what they're doing you know he's made good friends with, with these people he's come to love Sarah Jane as, as a, a mother uh, figure and and all of that stuff is handled right. nicely yeah I mean I um, guess I got the impression that he was basically developed as a weapon and then this was how they made him human with his with human friends and human relationships and so this is yeah. I guess the only family he's known uh, yeah I did think there was a lot of like uh, spinning uh, of wheels in place there's uh, and a lot of padding especially like yeah. in the even like the night dreams the nightmare sequences and all and uh, they're very logical nightmares I guess about the fears that teenagers would have about you know being forgotten or that your parents don't really love you or whatever but they kind mm -hmm. of repeat that same nightmare for Luke uh, several times a couple times just with yeah. slightly different uh, angle <laughs> so uh, yeah what well, one probably would have done it but but it's uh, yeah uh, padding is padding it's, it's a doctor who thing um, right so, and, and, and they're effectively is... done I won't say they're not effectively done so um but the plot doesn't really, I mean, the 
yeah, the dream sequences are there, and the plot isn't really moving to moving forward by much. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the fun things about this episode is we get a little bit of participation from K9, which is fairly rare in this series because okay. they were having a um, copyright issue battle back and forth with, with Bob Baker, the creator of, of K9, um, throughout this. So they had some limited licensing to be able to use the character, and then they lost it, and then they got it back, and then the Australian show happened, and then so right. there's all this stuff going on with K9 this whole time. Yeah. And I think this was their way of... Uh, writing him off again. Right. They had kind of written him off one other time earlier in the series. Um, but they actually got to use him a little bit. I don't know if that took special permission or whatever, but he got to be in these, this episode a little bit, right. and, you know, do his thing. Actually, you know, be the big hero at the end. So, <laughs> Yeah, I guess what I was reading was that because that, I think, I guess Bob Baker was a little unhappy that the K-9 had so much in the third series <laughs> that he yeah. wanted them. Especially, like you said, since the Canine Adventures was about to start, so yeah, I I would think having Canine, you know, be a, being a main character on on a Doctor Who spinoff that people were watching, you know, this had made it into his third fourth series, could do nothing but help right people be interested in a you know Canine solo show. Yeah. But you know, I what do I know? I guess sure, there's space for two Canine sort of K9 to be appearing in two shows. <laughs> That's right. And besides, there are already we we've already accepted as fans that there are different versions of K9 out there, you know, right. multiple different <laughs> versions. So Yeah. And since I wasn't but. familiar with the show and how it progresses, I actually kind of thought that at the end of uh, this story, uh, Luke would say, "Well, you know, I think I'd rather stay here with my fam." And he and K9 yeah. would not go anywhere, but <laughs> I, I can remember the first time through thinking that's absolutely what they were going to do and being kind of surprised that they, they let he moved on. But I believe he pops back up again. So yeah, <laughs> they said a, that. A totally yeah, gone, I guess he so. comes in a couple, two or three more stories. But I, the actor's uh, own school commitments <laughs> meant that he had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cut down so. his involvement in the show. So. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's not much to the actual plot of the. I mean, the synopsis pretty much does it. Luke, you know, is contacted through his dreams by this nightmare man, who's trying to make his way into our world because then he will. He feeds off of you know the fears and insecurities of people. He's some kind of a dream, dream. He's not really a dream demon. He's actually an entity from another. They they really don't give you a whole lot of backstory yeah. they, which is fine they techno babble at you for a minute it's interesting but, yeah. that they actually kind of they identify him so it's almost like it's not mm -hmm. so it sounded like there's he's just one of a race from another dimension not just one yeah <laughs> solitary yep. thing so mr smith who's sarah jane's supercomputer that lives in her attic um is i have to be careful i, <laughs> I have an alexa sitting next to me and i have it uh, program to respond to the word computer. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Yeah, it's, to it quiet causes for... a lot of problems when I'm watching Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, the, Mr. Smith even, um, yeah, definitely makes it sound like he's just a run-of-the-mill one of these kind of thing, you know, creatures. Right. And they're so there's a whole race of these 
entities that can feed off of you know the dream energy or whatever of of people so anyway he's gonna break into our reality put the whole world to sleep and feed off their bad dreams yeah right it's a yeah it's it's you know it's doctor whoey a little bit yeah, like yeah. i it's um it's defeated by the power of work. friendship <laughs> right yep and the, when they decide to come together and that they're the band's not breaking up essentially even just because luke's going off to college uh that they'll still remain friends and then yeah basically the power of it's a very very new who yeah, ending yeah. they all hold hands and the power of friendship defeats the monster so yes. but um yeah it's i feel like the just my problem is the second episode just doesn't carry the weight of the first the first is a good build-up but once we get to know the nightmare man i i i wasn't real happy with him as a villain he's He's fine, but I feel like the uh, yeah, like I said, the the choices made with the characterization or right took something that was actually kind of spooky and interesting into just a silly performance. But yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, each of their respective dreams, you know, were fine. But I think we already we got the point by that <laughs> by then, and most of the second episode is just them running in and out of those dream sequences yeah. and. I mean, I thought Rani's yeah. nightmare starts off effectively because the character in the TV talking to you is always creepy, regardless of mm-hmm. what they're doing. But <laughs> uh, yeah. so yeah, so it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have a whole ton more to say about it besides that. Yeah, it was it was okay. I, I've seen better Sarah Jane episodes. Like this is not one of the one of my favorites. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say you definitely. Death of the Doctor was a much uh, better, much stronger episode. Apart yeah. from the really weird levels of, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, sometimes Doctor Who is gone through these really strong anti-military sentiments mm-hmm. <laughs> which yes. is fine i mean you can be pacifistic but <laughs> yes. but apart from that and the lack of motivation of the uh, unit colonel about uh, why she's uh, selling out the earth to the skexis lookalikes but um, yep. but overall it was definitely a much uh, stronger episode so so I may need to yeah. go back and explore more of the uh, Sarah Jane uh, adventures. I think it's definitely worthwhile if you know if you can if you can take with you your expectations of what it is. You right. know, if it, if, and that, if that's okay with you and you can enjoy that, then then this is a good example of you know science fiction program that's aimed at that you know preteen audience. Right. So I think it I think it works pretty well. There's some yeah. There's some good fun episodes of this show. Um, and I will definitely be gritting my teeth when Mr. Smith always comes out with that trumpet fanfare. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. Every time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think it. Ha- I don't think. I I've tried to remember if they do that in the. Do they do that in the end of the world? Uh, Probably. The, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure he does make his music because I don't think I don't think he ever comes out without it. So. <laughs> and again, I don't know if that's actually like. Uh, I mean, uh, since I'm not familiar with the show, I don't know if that's like some sort of voluntary choice by the computer itself to always come out with a fanfare, or if this is a production choice to <laughs> always have the fanfare. Yeah. Do you know? <laughs> I'm assuming this is a production choice, but I, I don't know for sure. 
But hey. if it, maybe it is in universe, and he just yeah, you I mean, know, it like, could be a joke. Maybe they're all annoyed with him yeah. too. Like I don't know why he does that. He just does that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, he's he's almost like a you know an Earthbound TARDIS console anyway. Hmm. But yeah, it's like an yeah, Earthbound Orac. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else that uh? Um, to say about the Nightmare Man? Not so much. It's a little disturbing that uh, the kids are quite happy to blow up a living being right in the opening part of the episode. Oh yeah, so I like, did want to talk whoa. about that. I totally forgot about the <laughs> Slovene that they just exploded and then just kind of joked around about it. <laughs> so in, in that. I don't think they're quite. It's funny because it's you know it's a kids show, but I don't think this group of people is quite as um, kind to aliens as the Doctor usually is uh, in general. But this was that was particularly rough. <laughs> like they just like exploded a Slovene and you know, yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. Like I said yeah. I don't know how often they do that. So <laughs> yeah, I did. I can't remember them being, you know, it's just like the, it's kind of what you would call the the pre-credits adventure. Right. And, um, uh, yeah. And yeah, I did notice that and thought it was a little rough even for, you know, not that I don't think of Slovene. Well, I don't know if they deserve that, but <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was more the way that they kind of just like laughed it off. Like, right. oh, you're covered in goo kind of thing. <laughs> like, uh, uh, oh, well. I guess the children's show is not also the place to reflect upon the transience of life. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it maybe it's the best place. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say they don't have any problems bringing up some like real life issues <laughs> in other places. So yeah. So. Um, uh, maybe you need to start showing it to your kids and uh, get some feedback. <laughs> yeah. I think they might actually enjoy this show. So I keep trying to show them Doctor Who stuff anyway. Maybe this is a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah, before we move on to the next thing, let's let's go ahead and give this, this one a grade. Um, guess if uh, out of five, I don't even have a good... Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's say Vishklar, because that was uh, what the Nightmare Man okay. is. He's a Vishklar from the Sereti Sir- dimension. Yeah, is, uh, I don't know. If you um, can't tell, I'm reading that off of the wiki page. <laughs> but <laughs> Maybe 2.5 to 3 out of 5. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'd go higher than that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I found it generally disappointing, and and the my biggest problem is that it is, is that it's so top heavy. Like if you could have spread out some of that quality stuff throughout the whole thing, I think the second right. episode is kind of a, you know, it, this could have been one 45 minute episode of something, and you can feel that extra 15 minutes. Yeah. So it's uh, could have yeah. been a 45 um, minute episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I just really wish they would have. Um, gone a different direction with the nightmare man as a character as well like i didn't i didn't like the poor man's joker yeah thing i mean i'm always was, doing, i don't know so. I, I don't know if that was sort of a trend for more manic sort of bad guys like, yeah. I'm, I'm always more of i'm a more a fan of a more urbane sort of uh villain so mm. <laughs> so i wasn't yeah, a big fan of uh john Arrow, I, of the 
Master, as he originally no, jo- turned up. John Sim. John Master. Sim, yes. Yeah. So. Yes, I did not really care for the John Sim <laughs> Master until he came back in the Capaldi yeah, like yeah. finale. Like that all was... of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, if he would have done it this way, I think I could have totally." Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I kind of have the same yeah, issue yeah. with the Sasha the One Master that I think I wish he had kept more of his in control characterization, like when he's uh, pretending to be uh, M or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, I, then... I liked. And it was definitely a manic performance as well. I liked Sasha Dewan's um, master a little more than I liked John Sims, and I'm sure somebody out there's lighting the torch for that one, but yeah. for that comment. But it's uh, <laughs> but I do think I enjoyed him a little more. But I, I do see the similarities yeah. for sure. So. Yes, listeners, if you object, but. do write in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tell tell me I'm an idiot. I'll read it. I'll even read it. So. No, but yeah, I, I don't think I actually said for sure. But yeah, I'm gonna go with a 2.5 out of five as well for this one. And I, I feel in a way that's being generous. But I did enjoy some things about it. Yeah. So. Are you ready to travel through time with us? Then check out Traveling the Vortex, a Doctor Who podcast. For nearly seven years and more than 500 episodes, we've traveled from one end of the vortex to the other, making different stops with different doctors, reviewing everything from TV stories to audio plays, from books to comics, and more. Sean, Keith, and Glenn take you on a journey through 50-plus years of Doctor Who episodes and spinoff materials. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to check us out. And now, we're a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. You're listening to Police Box and the Junkyard Podcast. We have a little... uh bonus review to do as well so sometimes when the uh randomizer lands on uh things that i feel are going to be too short to be you know cover a whole show or something that's brief like a comic strip which is uh we, we've been tacking them on to, to other reviews here so we get a chance to cover those comic strips as well and today's comic strip that we're going to look at is actually one from TV Comic that ran in TV Comic 859 through TV Comic 863. And it's Doctor Who and the Space Pirates. Don't confuse that with the television uh, story of the same name uh, because it is a totally different story. Um, Featuring the second Doctor, kind of, and his traveling companions slash grandchildren. Although I think they've got... they've. done away with that by now but john and jillian who are his uh companions at the time right um yeah these have you read many of the uh tv comic strips i have read more than i probably should have um (laughs) because uh when i was back in uh pakistan there was a time when the used uh stores were gotten a bunch of um they were british reprints uh, doctor who classic comics so mm-hmm. they were reprinting uh, a lot of different things, and that included stuff from TV comic, and uh, some okay. of it was yeah. reprints of um, from the Doctor Who magazine comics. So it was a so yeah. So and when you said this was a bonus review, I'm not sure who this is a bonus for. <laughs> <laughs> not for us, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. TV comic. You know, I I try to be generous. We were discussing this. I tried to be generous and even-handed and when I criticize something but 
Doctor Who TV comics uh, tenure, if that just disap just disappeared, I would be like, that's no great loss at all. Because yeah, to be honest, I, all that I the, all those ones that I've read of them, I this just I don't find anything particularly redeeming or interesting I, there. Because I don't of, find anything particularly Doctor Who ish yeah. in this. I mean, like it's um, it went to like I think it went from TV comic to TV action maybe in the third Doctor's yeah, era. Yeah, TV action so, twenty one yeah, or something so like that. So those ones yeah. like. Those were those were good. the The artwork was great. The stories yeah. were variable, but even just and for the artwork, those things are well worth uh, checking out. But here, yeah, and I don't feel like <laughs> the artwork here is bad necessarily. It's got a really like vintage comic strip look to it. It's extremely um, rough it's... though. It's very crude. Yeah. And the lining, there's the lines are terrible. The I don't know. It's <laughs> it's likenesses of Patrick Troughton are pretty. Yeah, non-existent. Like, and it's it, it's consistency even within. We we talked about we picked on uh, um, some of the Fifth Doctor comics we read for kind of doing the same thing, but it doesn't even look like the same person throughout. If he wasn't wearing the same right. clothes, you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> be entirely sure. Um, so this originally ran uh, June of 1968, and so we're just kind of reeling from the changeover of the first to second doctor anyway and in, in a tv comic the first doctor was running with these same companions so they basically just changed his face over here as well right <laughs> um i don't think they got any notes that the characterization had changed because this is definitely a hartnell-esque doctor if they're even getting that right but certainly closer to hartnell than than troughton um let me read you a quick plot synopsis. And this is a much longer plot synopsis. You could almost read the comic in this time, so I'll try to be <laughs> quick. But uh, the planet of Neon, yes, that's what the name of the planet is, is facing a problem. The ship's carrying food supplies from the nearby planet Baron, the food, the planet with food is called Baron, are both stolen by space pirates. The doctor lands and offers to help by piloting one of the ships collecting the food. On the way back, the ship is captured by pirates and the captain... Burglis orders the doctor and his companions to walk the plank. The space police arrive to rescue them, but are forced off by the pirates. And the plank walk is about to happen again when one of the ship stabilizers breaks off. This is just a, this isn't even just a synopsis. This is just telling you the whole thing. But that's fine. Then you don't have to read it. The ship hurdles off, <laughs> hurdles towards back towards Neon, but the doctor wrestles control with the retro rockets and manages to land it safely. Burglis and his pirates are captured, and the actual reason is because they got really dizzy by the spinning spaceship. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not that the, any this was ever in any context meant to be taken as like serious literature. You know, these were just kind of like fun little one-offs. But you gotta wonder whoever's writing this stuff—they're uncredited, I believe—has um, ever really seen an episode of Doctor Who, or whether they're just you know writing off of the quick uh, description of of the plot because. Yeah, there's nothing really here that seems like the, the character of the Doctor or even even the flavor of the show whatsoever. I mean, I like that. <laughs> I like that. This uh, Doctor's first suggestion is that well, you better arm your rockets. 
<laughs> the yeah. people on the planet yeah. have to say that, oh, we're kind of pacifists. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and the doctor kind of <laughs> scoffs at them for being pacifists. It's like this, like, and at the end, he, you know, has this big old, like, moralizing, like, right. well, if more people were peaceful <laughs> like you, maybe it'd be a better universe or whatever. But, yeah, his first thing is, like, well, why don't you blow him up? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. And then he, he even offers, like, when he gets, when he offers to fly that ship, it's because he's like, well, I'm not a pacifist. Right. I'll go. For, <laughs> and I'll fight him. Like, and then he's like, oh, luckily we didn't have to. And it's like, wow. This doesn't, somebody missed, you know, some critical character points here. Like, uh, yeah, Doctor, the second Doctor Warmonger that, <laughs> so, well, yeah. the TV comic did right. have uh, the one that's you've probably seen at least that one panel of uh, when the doctor is experimenting with his new blaster and he shoots this giant spider going, die, hideous creature, die. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. right, I have seen that. <laughs> Yeah, so perhaps they weren't really concerned with continuity or character, oh. and he, you know. Just filling up the pages, I think, was the... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it seems almost... Yeah, I mean, almost, that pretty much was the story. Yeah. They, it seems almost churlish to mention that his, like, his, his devices to defeat the pirates while flying a spaceship, his first one is to throw out a smoke screen <laughs> to <laughs> obscure the vision of the pursuing ship, and the next one is, like, sound waves. And sure, sci-fi shows have had sound waves blasting but this was sound waves that like it's not like a focused beam of sonic energy it's sound waves that are just loud and making the pirates yeah. <laughs> clutch their ears <laughs> and, oh my god it's so loud yeah <laughs> so, uh, oh man <laughs> yeah i like that the crux of one of the entire pages or like um what it's it's nine frames or 12 12 frames i guess per per story or per issue and um one of them, the crux of the whole thing, is that the space cops or whatever are, have tracked them down, right. and they're they're in a in a space battle with these pirates, and the doctor's like, well, they they've just gotten free, and he's like, well, let's go cause you know chaos or whatever, and see if we can help out the the uh, space police with like it's like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to sabotage the ship that you're stuck in, <laughs> <laughs> and hope that you know, uh, I don't know, yeah. it just doesn't. Yeah, and and John and Jillian as companions. Everything I've read from these TV uh, comic things with them, where they're the companions, they they contribute zero of anything to anything story wise. Right. They're there to ask the right questions, and that's about it. Yeah. Which arguably sometimes you know the early companions <laughs> could be, but even more so here. Like these aren't really characters at all. They're just kind of right. there. I mean, it's kind of like if the right. if you saw the adventures of just the first Doctor with Susan. <laughs> Maybe. Right. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's like the do- Doctor and two Susans. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this was... Uh, I guess this was one of the issues with the randomizer. <laughs> Using the yeah. randomizer. <laughs> well, and I think it's... The, the, the climax of it is the funniest. The fact that he, yeah, just the the pirates he takes over the ship first of all there's like a racing to the control room and then it's spinning around and the pirates all get dizzy yes <laughs> it's like like yeah so our, people that live their lives in space of course are going to get dizzy right away from space flight but yeah. well, they were like crashing on the planet so 
Maybe yeah, they just true, weren't man. used to it. What did they, there was a comment made that, like, yeah, because, you know, the Doctor lives his life in space or whatever. It's like, hang on uh, a second. Don't these space pirates also live their life in space? But, uh, I think yeah. it's one of those examples where thinking more about it than the writer did. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, yeah, I think we prob- probably spent just about equal amount of time discussing it that they spent writing this. They probably just, you know... There, done. That one's done. On to the next one. So, um, I do find it surprising still that these comic strips have not been collected in some sort of a volume of. Um, it's interesting because I do know that, like you said, that they periodically a couple of them would right. pop up in reprint issues of the the Marvel Comics classics or the. Um, yeah, I wonder yeah. if there's some licensure issues somewhere that. Uh, that are preventing it but yeah because yeah. there's some ent- yeah there are all sorts of things are getting reprinted i think there's a company the british comics institute or something like that and they mm-hmm. like they reprinted the entire apparently star trek had a newspaper uh, comic strip in the uk also well whatever but yeah there were a bunch of exclusively British Star Trek comics which also suffered from apparently the writers and artists just had gotten some reference material and (laughs) (laughs) nothing else so uh, but they reprinted all of them so yeah I keep thinking someday that you know this will come in a nice like collected volume of all these comics that would be nice Uh, then I'd have to think about whether I want to pay to have that in my collection it's more of a thing that i would like to have as a curiosity more than you know and and in situations like this where it like you know our randomizer spins one up i can just be like oh i'll take that down off the shelf and i'll enjoy looking through some of the artwork and then i'll put it back and that'll be it you know but um yeah this one they don't have a lot of redeeming qualities and this is probably i probably only read four or five of them but they all kind of have have left me with the same kind of yeah impression and that's just that they were from a writing and creation standpoint pretty low effort and and it's fine i'm sure that met the need of what they were sure. doing at the time but i mean if they kept so. going for like 10 11 years <laughs> with the yeah brief interruption in between when it went to tv action and then it came back to tv comic and i guess they also just started reprinting some of their older stories with the just uh, replacing the faces with the fourth doctor's face or something Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, is what it is again, yeah, right? Yeah. I guess... Uh, Didn't take I up too much gotta, time. Took up five minutes to no, read. No, so. and that was going to be the one redeeming thing I would say. is that I, I was going to say we probably should go ahead and grade this one as well since it's one that it actually was spun up. But um, if I had to give it a star rating, I think I'm going to sit at like a half of a star-ish on this. And that was going to, how it earned its half is it was brief. There yeah. was nothing, it didn't feel long or anything, because it's not. It's it's a quick little read. But other than that, this is not really even a Doctor Who story. It's just a random kid's sci-fi comic with the Doctor's face stuck into it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> and not, not a very good kid's sci-fi comic either. So No, no. <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, I don't think I could give it anything higher than a... Point five, maybe even less than that. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, but yeah, like you said, at least it doesn't take up too much of your day. <laughs> right. Uh, 
And I don't expect that many of these many many of these TV comics are going to probably be a whole lot better than this, but uh, sadly we'll no. See. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That's uh, all I have to say about that as well. Yeah. So <laughs> it's been ki- kind of a brief one, I guess, and so. Uh, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, I guess the leads us to the matter at hand and that is let's hit the button on the machine we call the randomizer and see what it is that we are going to be reviewing next time <laughs> not another <TV. laughs> uh, we are actually going to be doing a um, continuation or the next part of a series we actually covered not too long ago and this is a uh, Doctor Who, The New Adventures of Bernice Summerfield, Volume 7, Blood and Steel. Um, And that one is uh, the direct following of the last uh, Bernie Summerfield box set that we did. So um, that should be fun because I think think that one was pretty enjoyable. And I I think Blood and Steel will be a nice follow-up. Then I also have a comic strip to throw on that one as well, and that is a comic called Cell Shock, as in cell, cell phone or jail cell, I'm not sure which, but Cell Shock, that was published in, this one will be fun because these are known for their high quality as well, published in the Doctor Who Adventures magazine, number 189, and I'll, um, yeah, come across a copy of that somehow, we'll figure out how we're going to look at that, but yeah. Uh, New Adventures of Bernie Summerfield, Volume 7, Blood and Steel, and that's a big Finnish audio production. And then we're going to talk about Cell Shock as well. So I uh, hope everyone will come back and join us for that. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And if you do have any uh, feedback or uh, comment on the show or the things we reviewed, uh, feel free and drop us a line. We're uh, on Facebook and um also, you can send us a good old-fashioned email at policeboxpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you write in and uh, take the time to write to us, we'll take the time to read it. And, uh, yeah, definitely um, uh, put your feedback onto the show if you so wish. Uh, other than that, I don't think I got anything else for this evening. I want to thank you, Asad, again for wading through a yeah, couple was, of little disappointing more disappointing <laughs> corners of the universe this year this time but but uh, looking forward to the next one <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully we'll redeem ourselves here a little bit so but cool uh, i want to thank everybody for listening and until next time i am and hopefully will continue to be eric Branson. i too am not a facsimile i think <laughs> Down and safe. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Have a good evening. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. A proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. Join Eric, Asad, and Matthew next time for another random review from the worlds of Doctor Who. Everything ends. As always, sad. Send your feedback to policeboxpodcast at gmail.com and remember if you take the time to write it, we'll take the time to read it. Until next time. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. It's the end that the moment has been prepared for. The Doctor Who theme was composed by Ron Grainer and arranged as Doctor Who retro theme by Neon Frontier. All rights to Doctor Who and its related materials belong to the BBC. Some of there's danger. Some of there's injustice. Somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Ace. We've got work to do.
a Doctor Who Podcast Network.